3: Friday edition, The Tailgate, and we're getting ready for an 11 a.m. kick between Oklahoma and Iowa State. Hey, real quick before we get into the show, I wanted to thank everyone who has left a rating so far and a review. It obviously means a lot to both Toby and myself and everyone involved with putting together this podcast and promoting it and making it possible to see the reaction. So, thank you whichever way you download podcasts. In fact, I saw from my buddy Jeremy from Tulsa. He had a way that he downloaded the podcast that I'd never even seen before. So there's there's ways out there to get the Sooner Sports podcast that I didn't even know was possible. So just for you, Jeremy, today, 40 minutes commercial free because you found some way cast box or whatever it was that I didn't even know existed. Of course, the easiest way to get in touch is with uh, us is on Soonersports.tv slash podcast. You can get iTunes, Google Play, uh, if you want the RSS feed, wh- whatever way you go about making sure you always have the latest podcast news you need, we've got you covered at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And I, I should also add that we appreciate all your feedback. We didn't go with questions this week just because it was it was kind of up in the air as to who our guest was going to be for today's edition. So, uh, remember, you can always hit us up with podcast questions, I mean, any time during the week, uh, at OU on the air. Toby is at T-Row OU. Toby does a really good job of interacting and getting back with you. Uh, I'm at Plank show, so there's all kinds of ways to get in touch with the Sooner Sports Podcast. And, as always, it's brought to you in part by the Riverwind Resort, Riverwind Resort, the place to be, and, of course, Allstate. Insurance. It's Iowa State this weekend. Let's learn a little bit more about the opponent. Matt Campbell, new, fresh, different perspective, young guy. We talked with Tommy Birch, who covers the Iowa State Cyclones for the Des Moines Register, and kind of got his perspective on Matt Campbell. Full disclosure, uh, when I did radio in Tulsa, when we would have Dan McCarney on, we would always get a kick out of the fact that every time Dan McCarney would sign off and you would say hey thanks coach for joining us coach McCarney would always say hey thanks man you guys have a great show and we'd always laugh because we knew there was no way he ever heard our show but he was just that nice of a guy Paul Rhodes was always incredible and he was so caring about your time and would always give time to chat with so I was curious when we talked with Tommy Burch to kind of find out what Matt Campbell is all about
4: he's been great you know Matt's uh, Matt's a charismatic guy he's uh, he's charming. He's opening. Um, he's very open. He's accommodating. He, you know, Matt understands that there's more to football than just winning games. He understands. Look, uh, you got one over fans. You got to try to win over the media, and you you've got to be able to sell um, to your recruits too. And he's he he's kind of got like an old school approach to to football, but you know, he can blend that new school approach, too. And he's definitely a forward-thinking guy. I mean, for as much as Iowa State fans love um, Paul Rhodes' enthusiasm and charisma, you know, Paul was kind of set in a lot of old-school ways. You know, he was a guy that didn't want to change uniforms. Uh, He was a guy that didn't get on Twitter. Uh, He was a guy that thought, you know, uh, sending letters and gift baskets—you know—sending letters is the type of way to, to you know, uh, and and gift baskets is the way to win over uh, fans and and recruits and stuff like that. But you know, Campbell Campbell's an old school guy, you uh, that can can bring that new age approach too.
3: I think we're. I think it's fair to say, without you know, being this is not in any way derogatory. I think you kind of see the same thing with Lincoln Riley. Now, granted, no offense, but I I think Bob Stoops had a little bit more success than Paul Rhodes. But I think you see in Lincoln Riley, and I don't know how much you've been able to dig into it, but I think you see in Lincoln a very similar approach, right? This is a guy that's more new age. This is a guy that kind of gets it whenever it comes to Twitter and the alternate uniform idea. I mean, you have two guys that kind of have that millennial mindset, and Matt Campbell and, and Lincoln Riley going at it on Saturday.
4: Yeah, you know, when I was watching, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley at Big 12 Media Day, I was kind of thinking, like, wow, these two guys seem like the type of dudes that would, like, hang out in the sports <laughs> bar together. You know, there are there a lot of similarities between them. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why Campbell, you know, went out of his way during the week to, you know, to get so much praise from Lincoln Riley is, I'm sure he, he sees a lot of himself um, in, in Lincoln too.
3: will you help me understand something from Thursday night because this is kind of been our biggest challenge. I've watched every Iowa State game pretty much this season and I, I can't tell if maybe had I been hoodwinked a little bit a little bit by the offense the first couple of weeks and maybe Texas exposed that it's it's just not that good, Or was that a case on Thursday night of of the Longhorn defense really being that good? As as you've looked back on that game more and more, Tommy, what was really the story from last Thursday night?
4: I think it's a combination of of both Texas has a great defense, plus, Iowa State played its worst offensive game of the season. But, um, you know, if you ask me what the main story of that was, it's. It's David Montgomery. You know, yeah. David Montgomery is one of their their best uh, offensive weapons, and the guy got nine carries. And um, you know, Matt Campbell has preached since day one: I gotta get the ball into my playmakers. I gotta find a way to get the ball to them and let them do their thing. David Montgomery just didn't get those opportunities, and you know, we know Texas is a great rush defense. You know, they they did a phenomenal job of stopping the run against USC and um you know Iowa State anticipated that they were going to be able to do that too but it's almost like Iowa State went into that game thinking Texas is going to stop us from running the ball so we got to pass the ball even if the run game showed some signs of life I mean you look at the first carry of the game for David Montgomery it was a nine-yard rush yeah and and then they're throwing the ball you know it's they, it's almost like they had their mind set up with this game plan, and they weren't going to deviate from it. And I think that's what drew a lot of frustration from Iowa State fans: is knowing, hey, you've got this great weapon, this guy that you rave about, guy that, you know, even though uh, teams may be zeroing in on him, still has the ability to break tackles and make things happen. You just didn't find a way to get him the football.
3: Uh, how have they been able? And again. You know this. This was a game on Thursday. I hate to keep going back now because it's it's been a while. But no,
4: let's live in the past. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's not. If you want to think ahead, any Iowa State football, any Iowa State football fans probably don't want to look ahead to. To Saturday either, so it might be might be better for Iowa State to look in
3: the past a little bit. Okay, okay. How have they been able? And I know that maybe Thursday's not the best example, which is what I was trying to get at. But how have they been able to protect the ball so well? I mean, here's a team that I think in the turnover margin is plus three heading into Saturday. They've picked off. Well, I guess there's the answer. They've picked off six passes more than anything. That's kind of. That's helped everything as far as a a turnover margin is concerned, right?
4: Yeah, you know Iowa State's got pretty experienced secondary with Kamari Kamoya, Brian Peavy. That to me was was kind of the strong suit going into the season for Iowa State. You thought there was going to be the potential that they could win some some turnover battles. The biggest question mark when it comes to Iowa State in the turnover battle is. It's not David Montgomery. That guy's shown he can he can get hit and hit hard, and he's going to hold on to the football. Um, Iowa State's receivers, for the most part, do a good job. The thing is, it seems like every game, there are two or three instances where Jacob Park throws a pass, and they're like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing? You know, it's to it's double coverage, triple coverage, or a wide receiver um, is five yards in another direction. And I think every quarterback during the course of a game has a couple of throws that you're – those oh-my-God type throws. The difference between those quarterbacks' throws and Jacob Park's throws where you go, oh-my-God, is they either come in very costly situations or they have the potential to do some massive damage like a a pick six or right right when you're in the red zone. You know, you talk about – Looking back on Iowa State's season, you know, Jacob Park had a costly pick in, uh, in the Iowa game when Iowa State was knocking on the door then. And, and that just, you know, Iowa State's defense, um, you know, man, she had a big stop. I think it was in Iowa State or in Iowa territory. Now that I think about it, I can't remember as well. But, you know, the, the point is Jacob Park um, is, is definitely prone to turning the football over but Iowa State's secondary is just so experienced that um, they they can help, I, I guess, uh, you know, stop some of that bleeding.
3: Has Mike Warren just been beat out? Obviously, we're in a situation where this is an Oklahoma guy, so there's a little bit more understanding of what he can provide, but has it just been a situation where he hasn't won the battle?
4: Yeah, It's a combination of things, yeah. I mean, uh, one, he... He lost out on the battle to David Montgomery, but to, he opened himself up to, to have that competition even exist. Matt Campbell publicly challenged, um, Mike Warren last year saying he's got to improve his work ethic. Um, that was something others around the program were constantly telling us is, you know, he, he maybe needed to challenge himself a little bit more. And then, um, he was dinged up a little bit too last year, but, um, it's it's all those things and, and the emergence of David Montgomery and and you know Iowa State suddenly has a plethora of uh, running backs. You know they've got they've got David Montgomery. Yeah, there's Mike Warren. Kinade Nawangu was a true freshman that played last year. That's got an Achilles injury that is most likely going to redshirt this season. But now even more as the backup, he has Johnny Lang, a true freshman that really loves that's kind of breathing down his neck too, um, that could pass him as the backup running back. So it's it's been it's been crazy to see the journey that Mike Warren's gone gone through um while at Iowa State because it, just a couple of years ago it was the guy that rushed for over a thousand yards and was was the talk of the team and now he's for the most part an afterthought. I mean two weeks ago, two three weeks ago he was I in the, the bulk of his playing time was coming as Montgomery's backup or right. he was handling kickoff returns. He's not even doing kickoff returns oh, wow. anymore because he struggled in that area. So it's, um it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out for Mike Warren.
3: Tell me, have you been impressed with uh, Joel Lanning's migration, if you will, from the offensive side to the defensive side and how well he's played What 20 tackles on Thursday night. I mean, I, I watched this guy and I'm floored that he was once a quarterback. Can you take us inside his physical change and what he really had to do to be to become a pretty good linebacker?
4: To uh to see him make this move is been insane, but the writing is always kinda of on the wall. You talk to people that have seen Joe Lanning for a long time. When he was recruited out of high school, there were a lot of college teams that wanted him to play either tight end or linebacker. There were coaches that told me, you know, at Iowa State, you know, hey, if we got him to be a linebacker, he could do some great things. But he wanted to play quarterback. Paul Rhodes wanted him to play quarterback. And it just got to a point where, you know, now I was thinking about this premier playmaker in Jacob Park, and they just couldn't find ways to get Joel Lanning on the field, and this was the best way. But Joel's always been a big, physical, tough kid. I mean, if you if you go back and watch the film of Joel Lanning playing quarterback over the years, this is a guy that when he would get open in in the field – he would. It. It was almost like he was seeking out safeties or corners or linebackers to, to plow <laughs> over them. He embraced the contact. He loved it. That was like one of his biggest flaws. His coaches wanted him to learn how to slide, but he was. You know, it a kid who was a a star of football, baseball, and wrestler in high school. So he he he's got the toughness part down to it. So it almost seems like he was a guy that was naturally uh um built to to hit people.
3: What have you it's interesting because there's a lot of times where I think Baker Mayfield has that linebacker's mentality, but as you've started to prepare and study Oklahoma, what have you seen from Baker Mayfield that stands out to you?
4: Wow, uh I don't even know where to start. There's just so many things, you know, he he doesn't seem to get flustered he he's a guy that once he out gets out of the pocket can do some things uh he can really toy with defenses with that pump fake that that seems like it it really screws with defenses so um and then he's got an experienced offensive line that's protecting him so there there are just so many different ingredients that go into making Baker Mayfield and a lead college quarterback and uh, for Iowa State I think Iowa State was able to kind of you know take him out of rhythm a little bit last year but he still put up great numbers and had a great game so even when Baker mayfield's not as best he's still better than most quarterbacks out there
3: you know that was going to be one of the things I kind of wanted to get into a little bit here as we we head down the home stretch you know last year's game was not a blowout this this was a, a game that wasn't really decided until late so is there confidence that Matt Campbell and this crew can take from what happened last year, or do they just look at it as hey, that's last year we gotta focus on this year?
4: Last year last year was a good opportunity for, for their team last year, but even even he said, Look, it's a different Oklahoma team. It's a it's a team that was dinged up a little bit on defense last year and um you know they they probably caught him at an okay time, but I would imagine it at least gives them some um, some little bit of a silver lining heading over there. But look, uh, there's just so much working against Iowa State. You're you're talking about facing one of the best offenses they're going to face. They're facing a ton of history where Oklahoma just completely owns Iowa State, and it's not just. Um, in, in Oklahoma, it's in Ames, too. I mean, everywhere they go, they could play in Ames, they could play in Norman, and they can play in Canada, and, and Oklahoma <laughs> is going to have Iowa State's number at this point. So, you know, I, I know Matt Campbell is in his second year, so he hasn't experienced it as much. But, yeah, I think there there probably is a little bit of a mental uh, stigma that Iowa State's got to overcome because they've, They're walking into the lion's den Saturday.
3: Hey, I'll let you go on this, Tommy. Uh, The receivers for Iowa State, Mike Stoops, we had our coach's corner, was incredibly complimentary of him. What has made this, I guess you could say, group as a whole so special? I heard the terms impressive, catch radius, guys that can go up and get 50-50 balls used quite a bit. What, in your opinion, has made this receiving core uh, a solid one for Jacob Park?
4: It's deep. I mean, you talk about – you know, this This could possibly be the deepest wide receiver core in Iowa State history. Alan Lazard is the big talking point because uh, of all of the success he's had over the years, but he has not been Iowa State's most consistent wide re- receiver this wow. season. It's been uh, Akeem Butler, a, a big, tall dude. I think he checks in 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Um, just gigantic dude. Cousins with uh, the Harrison twin brothers from Kentucky. So... So you know he's got size in his, in his blood bloodlines, but he he's a big dude. And Mozart's having a great season. There's a, there's no doubt about that. But those two guys are having great seasons. But the thing is, there always seems to be a third receiver that um, has himself a game. One week, it could be Matt Eaton. The next week, it could be Trevor Ryan or... Um, you know, it could be Marchie Murdoch. The thing is, they've got so many different weapons. you got to watch those first two guys. But somebody over the course of the game, a third option, is always going to develop. And the the tough thing for opposing teams is you don't know who it's going to be.
3: Great stuff from Tommy Burch. Don't mind register getting you ready for Iowa State on Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Now, on, on Wednesdays, we taped the coaches' Corner with the assistant coaches we get to a week. And this week we had Mike Stoops in for the first time. And I, I kind of wanted to welcome Teddy Layman back into the podcast because, Ted, we learned a lot, I think, during Thursday's coaches' Corner because, boy, uh, Mike Stoops was pretty open and we had to have our, our learning caps on when we taped this on Wednesday.
2: We sure did. Mike Stoops, Kel Gundy was on the Coach's Show. That was fun.
3: I, I, I say this a lot. Some people, oh, who's your favorite coach to talk to? And anymore, it's all of them yeah there's not a single assistant coach that rolls through when we tape the coach's corner on Wednesday where we have to sit there and scramble and go,, well, what are we gonna talk about? They're all great,
2: and the timing was perfect too it was it was good to get Mike Stoops in after the defense didn't have a great game against Baylor, but we had a weak buffer zone in there, right? Yes. So you're not getting him whenever he's completely <laughs> hot about giving up four sixty three through the air. But, um, you know, talking about that secondary, he had some interesting thoughts.
3: Yeah, it was uh, – we, we dropped – I dropped a stat for the first time, and usually whenever you drop stats on coaches, they couldn't care less. Right. Some do. Usually offensive guys do. Defensive guys usually couldn't care less. But we dropped the big play passing stat on on Coach Kale Gundy, and he didn't even know about it. Uh, we brought up how the Sooners have already completed 29 passes of 20 or more yards – And he's like, I didn't even realize seven point three yards per game uh, are good for a nation best seven point three per game. And then whenever we brought up to Mike Stoops, hey, your defense has only allowed seven completions of twenty or more yards. He kind of stopped for a little bit and he looked at us. He goes, Well, we've played three running teams. Yeah, we've only
2: (laughs) until Baylor. We've only played teams that run the football. So. (laughs) I mean, it's clear why that suddenly happened, which is interesting because, you know, he's really not pulling any punches there. No, he's not. He's saying, we haven't faced the the air attack that we're going to throughout this conference. And you'll start to look at the quarterbacks, and I know uh, Zach Smith at Baylor's not one of those guys that you're going to look at in this conference, it's going to be tough to defend through the air, but you got Rudolph coming up, you've got Sheminek, uh Kenny Hill's playing better. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be – that's the biggest question with this football team right now.
3: When you have an offense that's top five in the country and they're averaging the yardage that they are, Ted, can you help me understand why there's so much concern over the number of plays that they're running, especially when you're playing teams, as Mike Stoops brought up, that's minimizing your possessions – because even, I mean, Cale talked about wanting to have the the, the the plays up. You know, Coach Lincoln Riley has brought it up as well, too. Why is that such a big deal if they're still scoring? Is it just how their offense is supposed to be run? or
2: I don't know. I mean, you just have to – you know, one of the things that they they – I don't know if they take into account. I'm sure they do. But they've salted away two games and been heavy, heavy run in the second half of two football games, Ohio State and Baylor. I mean, Baylor, their plays are down because they ran the football. They weren't trying to score on quick strikes, you know? And you just think about you would completely eliminate a drive by having a 99-yard touchdown run. Right. Typically, if you're going to score from 99 yards, you're talking 10-11 plays. Well, you did it in one, right? So that's almost like when you're talking about number of plays, that's like turning the football over on the first play of a drive. You only got one play out of it. Now you got points, which is great, but you you typically possess the ball ten to twelve times in a football game, and you know if you're getting whatever seven yard or seven plays a drive, well, then you're talking about eighty four plays in a twelve possession game. But if you eliminate one of those possessions with the ninety nine yard run, well, now you're talking about seventy two plays. Right. So I mean it's. They've got to be happy. They've taken huge chunks. They've been spectacular on offense, and that's going to continue. Good stuff
3: is always from Ted. I mean – who else would you want to get perspective on the defense and the offense than a guy who won the Butkus and Benerica Award? Uh, award. All right, let's go inside practice, shall we? We always love to catch up with Jessica Cootie. There's not many people that have their finger on the pulse more of the Sooner Nation than Jessica Cootie does. And we kind of got her perspective from her practice reports on what practice was like not only for the bye week but heading into game week for Iowa State. Well,
1: I think first of all, first and foremost, the defense um, – Something that I found interesting is um, they went back to camp mode. That was kind of their, their message that they, they said last week in the bye week hey, we got to get back to camp mode. Um, you know, you remember talking about in August how they were flying around, they were very physical, um, you know, kind of came out a little bit more aggressive. And, you know, they kind of got away from that, they felt like. And so that was kind of we got to go back to it and we got to stay to it. You know, um, that that's the biggest thing is, and I asked, how do you how do you stay in camp mode? Because there's no more bye weeks left that you can go back to it like that. And you know, they said it's just the mentality that that we're going to, have to keep preaching from here on out.
3: Nine straight weeks is a grind, too. I mean, let's just it's i thought coach riley addressed it during his monday press conference hey it's a it's a we grind on these guys pretty well so it was kind of cool to see some guys get away maybe take a little short mini trip maybe head back home to see their family's faces but uh they've got to set themselves up for what is one heck of a grind heading down the stretch this season
1: yeah and it is a grind nine weeks like like, like we talked about on sunday yesterday there've been every year that i've been here i think we've had like Two or three by week, <laughs> and it's like okay, we got one, and you know, I mean that's it's that's what happens when you had a big club championship game, and I think you know they're they know what what's it, you know, in front of them, and that's that's kind of what their goal is, and so I think um you know it was good for them that by week where it was, and they know kind of the task at hand now, so um, yeah, I think uh, they had a good by week and got away, and it seemed
3: like everyone was in really good spirit. Speaking of good spirits, uh, health is always something that in the preseason you can't really predict. There's no way to sit back and say, well, I can tell you. Through uh, nine weeks, they're not going to have any injuries. And obviously, it bit the Sooners just a bit in some pretty key areas. But from everything we've heard, Jess, and from everything you've been told, it looks like everyone who has been dinged up outside of the season-ending injuries to Curtis Bolton and Jordan Parker, uh, everyone except maybe a Matt Romar could be ready to go on Saturday, and that's huge for depth for this team.
1: It really is, man. Um, you know, I think Mike announced yesterday that both Jordan Thomas and uh, Will Johnson practiced. I saw that Will Johnson had talked about how he's got a bigger helmet. Um, so yeah, it's good that getting those two guys back are, are absolutely critical. So, um, you know, I think they're both ready to go, excited to be back, feeling feeling pretty good. I didn't um talk to Jordan yesterday. I talked to Parnell Motley and um Obo after practice and um you know, uh I I really enjoy Parnell Motley by the way. He's uh, I don't know how much you've talked to him but well, he's got a great personality, and it matches, you know, what he does on the shield off, you know, how he is off of it. Um, you know, he's very charismatic, um, and it's it's very refreshing. You know, he, he, he just seems to just love every bit of, of playing this game.
3: It was funny because I had a chance to talk to Parnell for the first time after the Tulane game, and it was and we've talked about this a lot, Jess, I think both here on uh, on the radio and on the podcast, but he had had his wisdom teeth removed, so he couldn't really talk all that well. But regardless, you know, he's he's been a playmaker. And heading into the season, when we go back on our storylines that we thought were going to be a difference maker, uh, we looked at that corner opposite Jordan Thomas. And, you know, it's been pretty incredible what he's done. Now, everyone wants to get better after what happened against Baylor, but... And you can't argue with what Parnell Motley has been able to provide so far opposite Jordan Thomas.
1: No, and, and Kerry Cooks loves him, too. I mean, he's a, he's really come on. And, and I asked Kerry, Cooks. I said, and he kind of came out of nowhere, didn't he? And he said, maybe to everybody else, but not to me. He's like, I've always seen that in him. He just needed a year to kind of, you know, figure out the system, kind of mature a little bit. His, um, you know, it just again some sometimes it's adjusting and that situation is, you know, different for some people than it is for others when you're a true freshman and so, uh, you know, I think they kinda felt like this was a, a guy that could really be a big time playmaker. He just needed a year to kinda get settled in and that's what he's done and but uh yeah, Kerry Cooks has said he was not, not one bit surprised that this is kinda what, what he's been able to do because he, he saw it in him all, all along and all throughout uh, you know, the last year, and it was just a matter of kind of getting settled in a
3: little bit and kind of letting loose. Hey, Jess, one more quick thought on the defensive side of the football. Can we begin to put into words how much it means to get a little bit of depth back uh, in the secondary? Obviously, there's solid players back there. You've seen some guys step up when given opportunities, Trey Norwood, Trey Brown, and a chance Sylvie. But to get back both Will Johnson and Robert Barnes and to have JT Jordan Thomas back healthy, I mean, I don't even begin – to think we can quantify how huge that is for this Oklahoma defense as a whole.
1: Yeah, it really is. And, and, you know, that was one thing that you heard Mike Shoups talking about all leading up to the season is that they've got so many great pieces that it allows for them to do different things. And I think, you know, when you had some of those guys out, maybe it kind of limited some of the things that they were wanting to do. And, you know, now that you're getting all those pieces back, kind of can get back to um, all the options that you have at, at what you put out there.
3: Impressive numbers so far for Baker Mayfield. Uh, Jess, every single week it seems like there's a, another storyline that people try to create and develop, but I thought I thought Baker was just awesome at the press conference this Monday. Uh, and it, it seems as if he's very comfortable, man. He's not just very comfortable in this offense, but he's very comfortable off the field right now, as if he hasn't ever been, Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been, but it's been more, I feel like, than probably ever. And, you know, he handles it so well because, you know, I've got to think that at times that's got to get to where, you know, when you're doing that all the time. I mean, you know, I did an interview with him, and then he went and had to go do a 20-minute press conference. (laughs) Like That cannot be fun. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I know it's my profession, but (laughs) doing it for an hour in a row or hours straight almost, like, I just don't know how. But he has such a great attitude about it, and he, you know, approaches it so well. He has such a great personality that, yeah, I think he, you know, I don't think he ever lets on that it's not something that he's not wanting to be there. You know, it seems like he's, you know, embraces kind of what comes along with it and, and handles it very well.
3: And it's interesting, you know, of all the storylines that we've hammered out and we've hashed, those developments, of the playmakers, and then that faith and confidence that he has in them, I think it's showing. You know, obviously there are some veteran guys that are still there that I think everyone wants to see step up a little bit more in a Jeffrey Mean and a Jordan Smallwood, and maybe to a certain degree, a, a I guess you could say Mark Anderson, though. I think he's had a great season when healthy, But just to see the way these young guys have clicked, and obviously more than just the receiver position in the backfield as well, I mean, that's got to have his confidence sky high in his guys too.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think that's one thing where you know, and he talks about like he he likes the way that this is now where there are multiple people that he can go to, and you know, if uh, you know something happens like what happened with CD, then they've got somebody else that can step up, and you know, he's talked about that multiple times. I, I kind of did that um, report last or going into the Baylor week, just talking about how 15 different seniors had scored touchdowns, and you know how much he spread the ball around, and and. You know, how much those playmakers want to make play for him. And so, um, you know, when I talked to him about it, he's like, that's, that's what we want to do. Like, we don't, we, we, that's kind of the, the goal is to have lots of, um, you know, options and, and ways to spread the ball around.
3: We're inside Sooner Athletics. It's brought to you by Norman Heating and Air, and we're with Jessica Cootie. So give us the inside scoop, Jess. What are you working on feature wise this week? What can the Sooner Nation look forward to?
1: Well, i have on a pretty fun story on um, Calvin Thibodeau and Ruffin McNeil. Um, you know, it's, you, you hear all the time, and a lot of people said it, like, you know, how um, enjoyable it is to talk to Ruffin, and he's been on your show. But I really hadn't had the chance to really, like, spend a lot of time with him, and mm-hmm. he is a hoot. Like, I told, my, I, I told my photographer when we were walking over there, I was like, you're in for a treat. I mean, I, I've talked to him, and, and you know, you get it for like a quick little couple quick interviews, but to actually sit down and, and do like more of an extensive interview, I was like, you're in for a treat today. And sure enough, he was fantastic. I just enjoy talking to him. And anybody ever gets a chance to hear, but, you know, there's a couple cool angles, um, you know, behind the scenes of uh, regarding those two that I think um, people find interesting and, and kind of how they work together and, you know, how um, Coach Thibodeau um was how the transition went so smoothly and, and all of that. I, I, I had done two offensive line features in a row, so I thought, well, I guess it's about time to move to the D-line.
3: <laughs> I loved – we had a conversation with uh, Coach McNeil during the Coach's Corner, and I'd asked him about, hey, is it is it kind of tough, you know, whenever you've been a coordinator, a head coach, then to coach a position and have someone who's basically coaching that position with you? And he's like, pride's easy to swallow because it doesn't have any calories. And I thought, oh, what a great way What a great way to look at it. He's like, there's nothing to be gained by swallowing or nothing to be lost by swallowing your pride. He goes, so for me, it wasn't a situation where it bothered me at all. And I see it, Jess. You see it on the sidelines. These two guys are really working well together with a group that I think has really exceeded expectations so far along that D-line.
1: Yeah, and one thing Ruffin said – to me yesterday that I found pretty interesting is, you know, it's it, it's not unusual to have you know somebody coaching the ends and somebody coaching the line, and they still do, you know, um, pretty much everything together. But you know, he said when you're mixing it up between a three four and a four three, he said I I think that's when it becomes important to have one with the ends and one with the tackles because it it does it's different and you know that's kind of what you know Coach Ruffin had said was. You know, when you do try to throw multiple things at people, that's when it's very beneficial to have two two different people coaching the line. And not to mention, you know, as, as Coach Riley said several times, um, you know, it's it's the first, um, you know, it's it's perhaps the most important position on the field. And uh, Ruffin says, I look at it like a spear. And we're the tip of the spear. We're the first line of, of penetration. So, you know, it's so important. And that's why, you know, having two people kind of, and teach these guys, that's where it's kind of been beneficial this year.
3: Jess, what kind of role do you see Imani Bledsoe playing this weekend? I, I, I found it very interesting whenever Coach Riley even mentioned him by name and how they're going to get him more in the mix. you think it's going to take some time for the youngster to, to kind of fit in? I mean, here's a guy that was playing during his freshman season last year.
1: I mean, he's a name that when you ask guys like Neville Gallimore and Matt Romar, you know, and during um, the – spring and um preseason that's a name that kept coming up so i think he's he's obviously um you know caught some people's eyes and practice. but yeah i i don't know i mean i guess it kind of just depends on how he's practiced over the last couple weeks and if how when he goes in there it's kind of a different animal but they need depth on that position so i wouldn't be surprised if he came out there and mm. played quite a bit
3: me neither and are you happy with the 230 start for ou texas
1: yeah, it's different. I've never I've every since I've been here it's been eleven AM so I don't think I even um I can't even fathom what it's gonna be like to not have it right after our game day show and but yeah, I mean should be fun, should be exciting, um, gives people a little bit extra time at the fair before they come into the stadium. So that should be interesting. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I always enjoy that that game a lot.
3: If you get a chance, go to Soonersports.tv and watch our tutorial on one-hand catches with Jeffrey Mead. Listen, I I know I don't have the most athletic build on the planet, but I put in hard work, y'all, hard work, to get those one-handed catches down. Next week, we have so much as we prepare for OU in Texas. We'll hear from the voice of the Longhorns, Craig Way. Uh, Toby will rejoin us on Monday. Lon Kruger will be in next week. And listen, I have planted the seeds for a very special guest who may or may not have just announced his retirement. So we'll see if we can make that happen. If not next week, the following right here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Until then, everyone have a great week. Thank you so much for subscribing rating leaving a review and most importantly downloading and listening to the sooner sports podcast enjoy iowa state and until monday have a great weekend and boomer sooner everybody this has been the sooner sports podcast make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at sooner sports.tv slash podcast and make sure to follow us on twitter at ou on the air